0: Gaming NBS episode two zero two coming to you Wednesday, August first, twenty eighteen. All right, welcome to Gaming NBS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one your with Sean,
1: and I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad to everybody on board. Sean, how the hell are you, man? I'm fantastic, Brett. This last weekend was actually, here in uh, south-central Wisconsin, was pretty freaking nice. Or southwestern Wisconsin, where I'm at, it was pretty damn nice. A little fire pit action. I had my buddy Mike over with his wife outside, drinking. I saw that. Sitting around a fire pit. Good times.
0: I saw that. I uh, My father decided to have a little grill out where we were invited over to, of course, so...
1: He lives, uh, I don't know, 100 feet away. I was going to say across the parking lot <laughs> at the condo. So <laughs> your dad's a cool dude, too. I met him when uh, when I was over there last time. He's a pretty cool dude.
0: Yeah, he's pretty laid back. I tell people that if he were to ever have a joint, he'd probably be in a coma.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be like this bizarre laid back singularity event. And the yeah, the laid back vibes that would roll off of that dude would knock mortal men out. That's what would happen. Anyway, so nice weekend for a change. Not overly hot, not crazy wet or anything. So let's see here. Announcement-wise, what do we got here? So Game Ocon, we keep beating on that, folks. It's out there. Buy your badges. Event submission. You can pick events now. That's all out there if you've got your badges and stuff. I know the VIGs were, I don't remember if they're open for everybody else, but I'm seeing posts of people. Getting their goodies, so uh, there's plenty plenty of good event stuff going on. And of course, Evercon.org uh, submissions are open there. we got some more dealers showing up for Evercon, so our dealer hall is starting to fill up nicely. Being that we're in January of every year, this is like our slow burn period. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's coming. Our vendors, the people we talk to, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to come, I'm going to come. About October, they go, oh, yeah, I'm totally showing up. Just a slow burn as everybody gets ready for it. And I will be Jesus in about a. But when this thing drops on August first, there will be about a month, and I'll be in QCC. So that's, that'll be pretty cool too. So, well, there you go.
0: And the rest of our crew will be end up going to Gen Con, Apparently, I
1: don't. Know. Oh my god! Yeah, you're not going to Gen Con.
0: I am not. I was going to try to get there for one day. Literally, I was going to drive down with Mister Jason Hobbs from Hobbs and Friends of the OSR. <laughs>
1: I love it. <laughs> it's a terrible but, intro. But it's, what uh. you do? I don't know. it's horrible. That's so mean. But it's, uh. <laughs> not gonna g- happen? Not gonna
0: happen. No, I don't think so.
1: All right. I mean, it so, could happen last
0: minute. I don't know. Maybe. I doubt it. No.
1: I least doubt that's not it. gonna happen. No. <laughs> that's, that's a long, really boring car ride just to zip down there for a day. Like.
0: I'd probably go down, like, ass crack at dawn, like. Three in the morning. Oh, God. Four in the morning. Get down there at six hours from
1: wonderful Madison, Wisconsin. And then hang out for two hours. So you can get back in time before oh, you pass out from being I
0: would, tired. I would go there that day, that evening, mm-hmm. and then come back the next day. Probably,
1: oh, probably later. That's assuming somebody would let you crash in their place.
0: Well, Mr. Hobbs has certain connections, Brett.
1: That's true. It is the Jason Hobbs. So, yeah, that's true. That is very true. He but, knows people. He knows people who've got places.
0: Yeah, we've got BSers out there that are going that may take their chances and <laughs> see what it's like to have Sean sleep in their room.
1: <laughs> see what the year of the Kelly's all about up front. There you go. You'd be
0: up for an adventure.
1: <laughs> oh, and uh, uh, thank you, Peter Skanes wrote in and gave me a. Uh, so it's about an hour in the wrong direction, but Leroy, Leroy New York, houses a very quaint Jello museum. So I uh, got to throw that one to the wife and see if she wants to take an hour drive to go see some Jello. I have a really weird. I, this is one of those things where I was looking at all the list of things that that uh, we, I've been given so far. I'm like I can't say these in front of my kids because my two little kids are like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> so it's just like, oh my god, it's probably normally terrible. Yeah, but because they're ten and twelve, they'll think all this shit is fun.
0: We need to get this info into their hands for sure.
1: That's that's terrible. <laughs> Why are you so mean? What happened? To you you wake up wrong right side of the bed. Arg. All right, man. Shall we move on?
0: Yeah, let's get to. Uh, so no random encounter this week.
1: Oh, nobody. Yeah. Lo- nobody loves us Low anymore.
0: turnout. Low turnout. So that's okay. I just
1: we're- I I assume if no one writes in, we're we hit it so perfectly. There's nothing else to say. It's been said. That's, Larry, that's the o- that's the only logical answer. This is Brett's
0: way of antagonizing you into <laughs> writing into us.
1: So it's honestly, it's probably one of two. I, it's either we hit it so perfectly, the last word, the final word, nothing more need be said, or it is so bad that people are frothing at the mouth, just waiting for the medication to kick in, so that they can take the time to write us and tell us how horribly wrong we are. One of the two.
0: Yeah. Or we've pissed them off so much that they have abandoned us.
1: Ooh. Yeah, I like that option.
0: Yeah, let's erase that one from our minds. Yeah, let's
1: We won't think of that. So we're either we're either perfect or we're so wrong it makes people insane. One of the two. That's right. All right. Well I guess then since there's nothing else to talk about, let's go right to the main topic, dude. All right. Main
0: topic.
1: All right, Brett, what are we talking about this week? Well, last time on 201, we had Mr. Sneezak on. We talked about low-level play. We kind of keyed off of this other thing that DM Kojo had given us. And Kojo had said, I'm going to read this one back here. want to write in a show suggestion. Love to hear and take on player characters with low ability scores. He says, I started in the old days rolling 3d6 down the line and picking class and playing it. Now on many gaming forums... Um, I see players who use who are used to rolling forty six, dropping dropping lowest, doing a point buy, etc., cetera, etc. I see a lot of discussion on those forums where people are saying or implying that characters with low ability scores on uh, one or two places are "quote unquote" hopeless, and therefore not fun to play. Kojo's a, a DCC, Dunder Crow Classics guy, as I know uh, people like Jen Brankman and other folks are, and those. Crazy, you know, under, <laughs> understated dudes and ladies that that are characters come out and like, wow, there's no way she should have ever survived. But guess what, <laughs> she's the dwarf now, you know. So he was saying, you know, it's kind of that that flawed hero perspective. And uh, I ran into this a couple different times talking to my uh, my home gaming group and a few other people. So I figured we do Koju a salad and bring this one up. So you ready, Sean?
0: Oh man, I haven't been more ready in my entire life. Sean hasn't read the notes. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) That's key. It's code word, code speak.
1: So let's go back. So, Sean, you and I have been gaming for quite some time. I know you had your break, but when you did play back in the day, did you ever roll 3D6 down the line? Obviously, we're talking D&D, AD&D back in the day, the early Grognerdia lands.
0: Oh, I'm sure I did. Most of the times, though, I think we did 3D6 down the line, assign it.
1: So so you, you, oh, you'd roll three, so you'd have strength, intelligence, dexterity, wisdom, charisma. You have your six stats. You roll 3d6 six times and assign them as needed.
0: Yeah, and I thought we might have done 3d6, 4 6 drop the worst. Yeah. But there, I mean, back, oh, I can't even remember yesterday, man. I, <laughs> so I got to imagine that back, way back, we would have done the 3d6 in order.
1: I distinctly remember doing that red box when I had that, I was running that. And for middle earth role playing, we always roll. It was percentile, percentile stuff, but we always went right down the line. And I did a lot of four D six, drop the lowest and pick the best for, for every, every stat. And we usually, what we started doing in first ed AD and D was you always, you kind of went down, you know, strength, intelligence, do, 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 do. We went down. And for whatever reason, it was always strength, intelligence, wisdom, Dexterity, Constitution, Charisma. In that order. Yeah. I
0: don't know why they changed
1: it. I don't know why either, but that was like the order. And then it's then it became at some point all the like some character sheets would have all the physical skills up or attributes up top and so forth. But anywho, um but we did a forty six for the longest time, and that was just how it was always done. We would actually have a DM every once in a while and say, roll 4 D six, drop the lowest. Assign them as you needed, and you could actually do it twice. You could take, you could roll 12 times and have one set. You'd have one set of six, another set of six. You could pick the best set, which was basically the nicest way of saying optimize the character (laughs) as much as you could.
0: So you had to take the whole set, though. You couldn't take one.
1: No, you couldn't like mix and match, right? I gotcha. And then what would happen is you'd have that one set that was kind of cool, and somebody like, Isn't there a rule for swapping points? So, someone whipped through the unearth arcana. Yes, you could go two for one. All right, you could go two for one. Fine. Dumpstack charisma. Take it down to minus a minus one because who fucking cares and take that point and throw it into decks because it got you to an 18 finally.
0: Did you ever, what was, did you have a house rule of unplayable character?
1: No, I've never had that. I've had people bitch and moan, right? <laughs> you know, we've had people complain. I've run Lamentation Flame Princess uh, for some folks and had people gripe and complain. These stats suck. Oh, this is unplayable. And which I think is very funny to me in an OSR style game that has like no skills.
0: <laughs> yeah, the stats. That's a that's a good point. Like stats in the older school games growing up had less impact on your ability to survive and do things,
1: you know, strength, obviously to hit stuff with, you know, strength and dexterity to hit stuff, sneak around constitution for hit points, intelligence, wisdom for bonus spells it was all around that type. of I mean, it wasn't like, well, I need a really good, yeah, my first edition AD fighter. If you grew up on a, in a sailing community, just knew how to tie knots. Every once in a while, you have to roll dex check and then we'd argue about how you rolled the next check. <laughs> <You know? laughs> is it higher or lower? Is it this or is it that? And sometimes the DM would be like, look, you have a ten percent chance, you just assign percentages or whatever. So it was often very random of how we of how we anyway back in the day would do it. But I guess getting to Kojo's point is I don't mind playing that character with a couple stats that are not optimal. And I think the term optimal um Means different things to different people, right? So when I see a, a character, if if you have a game with that that has attributes, and you're using your uh, traditional D D style, we've got your plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four type of thing. Usually, when I see somebody who will complain, is they're like, I, I they have too many zeros, or a min- they have a minus one. As soon as you get any stat that has a minus one bonus, people. Not everybody, but some people will freak out like, oh my god, this character is flawed and, and whatnot. But I like I like personally like playing flawed characters like that. That doesn't bother me. Like, look, he's not really good at wisdom. Okay. Yeah, Whatever.
0: But not, but not everybody likes playing flawed
1: characters. I know. Yeah, that's crap. Do you like that? Do you like flawed characters? Does that I mean if you had troll down the line and you got it and you made your character, are you cool with that or would you be grumping the whole time inside?
0: I'm cool with it as long as it doesn't have to do with my ability to survive
1: completely. Okay. Explain further.
0: Yeah. For example, if I know, okay, Adventurer's League, organized play, which we haven't covered. Many of you already know what that is, but you can pretty much guarantee that you are going to be involved with an encounter and there is going to be some type of combat.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's inevitable. So if you know that, I could potentially play fighter, knowing that that's always going to happen. But the does the strength that I have going to is that going that stat going to impact my ability to be mm, effective or, um. I don't know if that's such a good example, but
1: I think, I think where you're going is like, if, if the, if the adventure is all about, if the adventure is all
0: about combatty stuff
1: and I choose to, to have a
0: flawed fighter, which would be with a shitty strength, right? It's, it's core, his or her core Mm -hmm. ability. And I just happen to be role-playing a character who strives to be fighter, but isn't really a good fighter at all. Mm-hmm. and that's the story that's the aspect maybe that's the character's thing right that's my shtick like i want to become the greatest fighter but or i am i have an ambition to be good fighter but i'm just not it
1: was not cut out for
0: it i'm not cut out for it i'm rudy
1: man yeah you, you i really want to play but i All can't you know so i'm just you, not that good if you guys
0: don't know the reference go f- watch the movie rudy it's a guy who played in uh, he, He was a walk-on at Notre Dame, and they played like he played one game, not even one game, like like five minutes or two minutes. The whole time he was on the team, he just wasn't an athlete well enough to be on the starter. Wasn't a starter, was not a starter, but he had a heart.
1: Yeah, no, so I get it. And the other, so what's interesting to me sometimes, though, you meet the player. I was like, I'm totally cool with this. This is great. And the DM's like, Oh, okay, neat. You've got a flawed character. You look looks like she's gonna have uh, has some troubles dealing with uh, charisma stuff because wow, she's she's a bard with a low charisma. Wow, that's, uh, there's a story there that'll be kind of cool. We'll see how this goes. And the other players look at it, go, Yeah, uh, good, good on you. You've got a character, and she's got a she's a flawed bard. We'll see how that goes. And then two, three sessions in, when that flaw bites the whole party in the ass. Everybody looks at that player and says, you want to make a new character yet? (laughs) You know, I've seen, I've seen that happen where it become, it's, it's all fun and games until someone loses some hit points. Right. It's all fun and games until you can't get the core clue because so-and-so has a disability or a flaw. Disability is a wrong term, but they've got a, a flaw is the best phrase. They have a flaw of some kind where they're not, really good at what is normally in a class-based system, a core competency for the class. And I think Sean, what you're even getting at is a competency that's core to the type of game that's being played. Right? So if it's a heavy duty combat game and we're all supposed to be very, and we're all supposed to be fighter types because we're going to be fucking fighting the ogre King. We're out there fighting the ogre King. We're going to do this like for the whole campaign. And somebody says, I'm going to make a dwarf who really wants to be a seamstress and he's just not really good with an ax. Okay, that's that's a great backstory and all, but he can't hold the line, you know? She can't hold the line. They they can't do the fighter stuff that we need to tactically do through this particular game. So it's like the character isn't made for the story that's laid in front of you. Is that where you're going?
0: Yeah, I don't think that's off the mark completely, but yeah. And then somebody would say, "Well, why are you playing a fighter that can't fight?" <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's, I get that. You know, I know somebody's out there going, ah, oh, why is, what's Kelly doing now? Like, what, why has he got to do that? Cause the party might be relying on me. Like, you know, we sit around, and do session zero, and everybody goes, what are you playing? I'm going to be like, I'm going to play a fighter. All right. Good. We got fighter covered.
1: Well, maybe not. Yeah, because my fighter favors using, you know, rapiers offhanded only because he doesn't want to hurt anybody. What? What's
0: wrong with you? Yeah. He's conscientious conscientious objector.
1: <laughs> what? You're playing D&D fighter and you're afraid to kill anybody? I mean, that's a <coughs> – excuse me. And I think what happened um, for my groups anyway that I grew up with is you'd roll that character and you'd get st- stuck with statistics that were not as good as somebody else on the team. So what you do is someone, the, the game master, looking go well, turn into role playing thing because that was the answer, right? Your abilities blow in one way, shape, or form, so make it into something fun. So, be like, oh, okay, cool. My mage only has a 14 intelligence, all other stats are normal, you know, normal being either zeros or maybe a plus one here or there, or a minus one. Look, he's just not a really good mage, you know, and that's fine. <coughs> And I'll just play him like that, and then what ha- what happens then is that you're you trying to take that suboptimal character who doesn't have the really kick ass ability scores, and then turn it into a role playing event. And I think what happens when we're talking like the group itself, where that the only time I've ever seen it implode is when the the rest of the group isn't on the same role playing page. Oh yeah, that's you a know?
0: definite. That's a definite <laughs> solid statement there.
1: I've heard this from Adventures League men and women playing. They're like. I really can't – I've had people say, I have a hard time role-playing my character there because everybody else is so optimized. and look at everything in a very optimized, you know, um, I have to win this session type of, type of mindset. And I could see that if you showed up to play a very tactical role-playing game, you've got, like, the uber-tactician there, and she's just ready to grind through the Ogre King's, you know, minions and whatever, and everything's set up. And she goes, okay, Sean, we're ready for your flawed bard to step in and fail once again on his inspiration roll. Give me a shot, Sean. Thanks, buddy. Why don't you fucking sit down over there in the corner? If, if everybody will say, "Yeah, it's a really good idea," but when you look at all of the characters at the table, everybody else is optimized and you're not. Mm, one of these things is not like the other. It doesn't always work out that way. People yeah. get cranky. I get people get cranky with you, even if you're at peace with it, and the game master is. Sometimes I've seen other players get cranky with you.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of a time when I was sitting at a blackjack table, and you get somebody that sits to your right that doesn't know how to play.
1: Oh, that's me. I'm a terrible gambler, and nobody likes me to gamble with him because I don't know shit. I told I told Hobbs this because he plays cards. He's like, yeah. you should come play Hold'em. I'm like, you'd hate me. Why? He's like, because I just play for fun. I don't play to win or like anything like that. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to play with you. <laughs> like I don't take it seriously. I don't fucking care.
0: Well, blackjack's different because people will take hits when they're not supposed to, and that takes your card, potentially.
1: Oh, right? when so, you're not supposed to, because there's right. a rule or a law. There's uh-huh.
0: a rule. There's yeah. a general rule on how to play that
1: game. Um, Unless you're Brett. Then <laughs> you just do whatever the fuck you want, <laughs> yeah, then and you no one else that. wants you at the table.
0: Yeah. It's like taking a hit on 20. Like, what are you doing,
1: dude? I don't know. I just of, there's a chance. Right. Like, wait, what? Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. Generally speaking, though, I don't... I have... We've talked about this a little bit with other kind of car- games when we talk about low-level play versus I want to be very specialized in something. You know, um, characters are kind of really badass right out of the gate. And even in a, even in Vampire, had merits and flaws and whatever. Back in the day, I, I don't know what the newer edition i will have in it, but I think there's something really cool about playing, you know, doing a 3d6. It's challenging, right? If you do 3d6 down the line for your D and D game, and you end up with a suboptimal character, whatever optimal means, and that's okay. If everybody's on the same playing field, I think the key is to do like the DCC crew does, and just get in it and say, "I'm going to play. I'm going to try it, and really get into it." And That's one of the things that Dungeon Crawl Classics does really well we talked about this during the low-level play last episode, was Goodman tells you repeatedly, like, dude, try this. It's fun. No, seriously, put your heart into it. Give it a shot. It's fun. And I, I think the preconceived notion that if you don't have at least a plus four, a plus three, and a plus two in your character stats, it's it's just no good. I can't, I can't even play this character, especially at a game like even like D&D. At, at a certain point, there's so many other bonuses and things you can get. That plus one isn't all that big a deal, you know. In certain versions of it, it wasn't that big a deal.
0: Brad, I think you need to leave the podcast, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even believe I'm hearing can, the words that are coming out you of your mouth. you mean, the plus one's not
1: a big deal? So seriously, do you like playing? Do you? I mean,
0: well, I think the thing with DCC is that a lot of those uh, attributes don't come; they don't weigh in
1: as heavily as some of the one games that do. You can spend those attributes on like for all sorts of shit, though.
0: Well, I think that when like, you...
1: Like, if you have a crappy luck, yeah, good, good luck. You need that one. You can spend luck. Wizards sure. can spend other stat points to burn things and do crazy-ass shit. Right. Bad st- bad stats, you'll end up bleeding yourself to death.
0: Yeah, but I don't... Like, even strength isn't a huge <clears throat> deal in that game.
1: Other than the plus to hit and all.
0: I mean, it, there is an advantage, but it's not, it's not the same as if you were playing Pathfinder, I don't think. I don't think it's... I think... I think they're a little bit different where if Pathfinder, you don't have that. You're kind of like, cause everything trickles down,
1: right? Okay. Okay. I think everything
0: trickles down everything kind of, well, you know, if, if you're intelligent, then you, in your particular class, then you get those bonuses that carry over into fortitude, will, reflex, um, skills. So it's a very waterfall type character. Um, Type of generation where I think if I, it's been a little while since I played DCC, but I don't think a lot of those like you get fixed reflex, fixed will, and fixed fortitude. Yeah, I mean it's based kind of like, on the character class.
1: Yeah, so if you go back to Red Box or BX or whatever, you have your saving throws are your saving throws based on character level, like you're saying, right? There's certain things that are just fixed; they just they change as how how will they happen, and. Yeah, I mean, if you ended up with a fighter with a 10 strength, he was just a fighter with 10. He didn't get a big bonus to hit, but whatever. you know, It wasn't the end of the world.
0: Right, and I don't think it handicaps the character as much as it does in some other games. I, I, well, I think because you, you still get a modifier, right? If you have a whatever strength, you still get the modifier, and then you add that. See, I don't know if that adds to... Like, well, const- take what
1: you're talking about, the handicap thing. That, that brings to me the, I mean, in your OSR-style game, where you describe versus roll a thing, right? It's it's narrative positioning uh, one way or another. You're you're saying, look, I'm going to roll the marbles down the hall. I'm going to do this and do that. And you're doing things to play smart as your character or doing things to play stupid as your character because your character has like a two intelligence or something crazy. But I think that the – I think what Kojo is getting at is some of those – those non-optimal characters, the characters that have perhaps an obvious limitation because they don't have a great constitution, they don't have a great intelligence, they're still a lot of fun because of the role-playing opportunity that it brings with it. And I know it's cliche to say that, like, look, role-play with that. Take that and make it a thing because not everybody is fucking Clark Kent Superman, right? You could be something a little bit less than that. That's okay. You don't have to be Batman, you know? And I I think that's – it's often said – and people are like, yeah, yeah, it totally is. we we'll all go, oh, of course, of course, it's a great role-playing opportunity. Who would have a great role-playing opportunity? But I think when the rubber meets the road, in a lot of gamers' heart of hearts, they're kind of like, yeah, I really hate this character because he, he's got, like, no bonuses. You know, Sean ruled really good. He's got a plus four to hit, only have a plus one, right? <laughs> you, can, you can see it. I've seen it at, at the table where people get grumpy because somebody has a better character than them.
0: Well, I, and, I would, it's, and, totally. stats,
1: and stats are very specific. You can look at your character sheet and see, you know, fight skill or fight feature, whatever it is. It says plus five. You look at the next guy next to you. He's got plus twelve. Like he's better than me. And I think that kind of inner party competition is uh, kind of poisonous. It's not a good thing to worry about, guys, men and women. Don't don't get in on that. Just let that one go. But I, uh, I like I said, I know it sounds cliche, but I don't mind. Personally, the character who's flawed or has that obvious limitation of really shitty attributes. And part of the reason for me is because I don't give a fuck if the character dies.
0: Yeah, you know, but I, I don't, I don't I, I know. I play the
1: character and he dies after five sessions. Like, oh, oh, well, next, make a new I, one.
0: I don't know if we're the, I think we're the, min- we may be the minority though, Brett.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Well, we may be. Thank you. Even I if it is right 4951. <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> No, I think, yeah, I, I think that's possibly, possibly true. I, I mean, I watch, when I watch my two kids play, my two little kids, they like having really kick-ass stats. But Ilana's character <coughs> in AJ's um, Minds a Fendover game, her uh, alchemist that she made is not super powerful by any stretch. It doesn't have amazing kick-ass stats. She just roll the stats and, and whatever. But she also doesn't know a lot better either because <laughs> she hasn't played that long. So she <laughs> doesn't have years of... That inner optimizer saying, "Well, if I put this here and this here and this here, I could get a plus six instead of just a plus five, right?" <laughs> I think playing if you're playing a game that's very tactical, skill based. If it's what's if what the pluses on the sheet matter the most, I think this this harkens to what you're saying before, right? The style of play. If the pluses on the sheet are what really may, allows you to engage appropriately or not appropriately allows you to engage with the plot, engage with the game and move the story forward. Make, make it through the fight, heal your friends, climb the rope, because all of those plethora of skill checks and all that stuff is all tied back to your attributes. If that is the only way to get at the game mechanically, then yeah, I could see where people would be like, no, I don't want to play 3d6 down the line and have a complete wuss ass pathfinder character or D&D 3 character, or whatever have you, because all their, all their skills that are connected to this thing will suck. And I need that climbing skill because they're going in a dungeon. I need that fighting ability. But if you're playing a game that allows for more narrative positioning and, and um, has that intrinsically involved in it, which I think OSR games tend to have, at least spiritually, that's kind of where, where they're from. And I, I think that gives you... Better license, in my opinion, to to not have to worry about that flawed character as much. Maybe that's just me talking on my ass. I don't know. What do you think, Sean? Just staring at me like you don't know what I'm talking about.
0: I'm looking at the DCC quick start guide and, yeah. and trying to see. ability um, score, there's modifiers, of course. But I don't see the saves listed.
1: Have you ever done, do you do point buys? <clears throat> just drop a whole die rolling thing all together. Point buys? Yeah, for D&D, for well, a mo- game mo- like that.
0: I would say for the last few years, I'd say point buy is typically the default because it doesn't – it alleviates all that.
1: That's true. There's a, there's a piece of me, and I don't know what it is, that if I say I'm going to do a point buy for D&D, I go, why am I playing D&D then? I should just play GURPS or something because that has point buy built into it. I always think of point buy as this weird bolt-on to Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm like it doesn't belong there. <laughs> I think that's I think that's just a bread hangout more than anything else.
0: Well, and that's, I mean, we've done point by, but we've also done the. Here's the default ability scores. You assign them. Which okay, is,
1: which is what's well, the Adventures League thing, right? Where they basically tell you here's the here's your stats. Adjust them, right? Right. Everybody will have a fifteen, a twelve, a ten, and whatever. Everybody right. will have this. Yeah, because that evens the playing field. Because it's essentially competitive D anD. d In a way, right?
0: It's weird. In the Quick Start rules it doesn't talk about
1: the saving saves.
0: Throws. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's on the character sheet they provide.
1: Yeah, we will some for it.
0: Oh, calculate saving throws and choose an alignment, but it doesn't say. Doesn't say how to calculate a saving throw. What are you doing over there, Joseph? Man, you got to tweak that and put that in there.
1: that has got to be in there somewhere and missed it.
0: I'm looking it over. It's like a it's a six-page document, <laughs> and one of the pages is a character sheet. So I'm not sure what the hell is going on.
1: So honestly, I, I think what you're telling me, Sean, is that you're <clears> – <throat> to pull out a, one of our cliches, it's a kind of it depends type of thing, where if the game system itself is heavily dependent on me having – the right type of statistic, excuse me, the right type of attribute bonuses so that I can be effective in the game, you're going to want to have, you'd be more inclined to want to have better attributes than you would in a different game system. Is that what I'm saying? Or you're saying? You're staring at me blankly. <laughs> <laughs> you're you, Okay,
0: let me let me sum that up to make sure I, I can uh, understand that correctly. All right. That I am only concerned with attribute scores if the game depends on them being good.
1: Yes, if it's key for you to this. have a modicum of success.
0: Yes, I would say yes, That is that would be accurate. So, I mean, it's, yes,
1: yes. Okay, no, that yeah. makes sense.
0: Oh, well, I mean, it's not going to be very fun if the game is you should be good, at whatever it is you've chosen because if you're not you're going to die.
1: Well I mean it'd be like playing Knights Black Agents and the whole game concept is Jason Bourne punching vampires in the face.
0: I want to play a librarian.
1: <clears throat> With really shitty physical stats who doesn't know how to be who doesn't know how to be a spy and can't do and you're like mm, no, that's not what the game's about. So the I... game is built specifically to build Jason Bourne punch vampires in the face characters.
0: But I don't want to carry a
1: gun. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not attribute based though. I think in interest that game Gumshoe does not have attributes, right? It's just skills. Yeah. And I th- the other thing that's kind of interesting is until Five E came around, attributes weren't weren't even all that. I mean, they were important to a point, but I remember in Pathfinder, you know, feats and other things were a hell of a lot more important than whether your strength was a uh, whatever. It was like a small component, at least to my vague memory. <sighs> interesting, though. Whoa. Because I get, I get what you're saying, you know, if the game mechanics are such that, you know, look, attributes tie directly into this, you know, half a page list of skills that you need in order to play the game, effectively, like you said, to have fun. And if half of those skills all have negatives instead of pluses next to them, it, it's only fun to fail for so often, right? That's right, Brett. Which is... Kind of like my job sometimes. It's only fun to fail for so long
0: <laughs> until, dude. You're ta- <laughs> you preaching to the choir, man. I work <laughs> in sales, dude.
1: <laughs> until you gotta do something. So I think I mean Kojo. Um, we've talked to him before, and I've, I've met him at Gary Khan stuff. I think in like DCC and again those OSR style games and games that don't have attributes, or where the attributes aren't the key component to interacting with the rest of the world like other game systems may have, I think that, I think that totally makes sense. What's funky about a D and D game is that it's a toolbox, right? Where it has, it can be used for tons and tons of different things. If everybody at the table said, look, we have a bunch of flawed characters. So yeah, we're going to try to play Sean's, you know, fight the ogre King, but we're all a bunch of shitty uh, characters with hardly any stats. And, Let's see what we can do. And nobody minds dying. Okay, that's fine.
0: It's a one-shot. It's a a one-shot. Line up for a one-shot, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Well, I think that's the... I mean, it goes back to like the session zero and expectations component we and other people have talked about before, too, right? Like, look, if you're doing it and you make that character who's a monk who doesn't have a great dexterity, he's kind of okay constitution, his wisdom isn't all that high, but you really like the idea of the monk, blah, blah, blah. And if everybody else in the group... Has super optimized characters, and you're the only person there who doesn't. You might want to think about whether the other other players are going to have fun, and by dint of that, whether you will have fun. Because having fun failing, which is what you know essentially what it is with a limitation, like oh ah shit, I'm no good at decks. I fell off the ladder. It happens. If you don't mind that stuff, it can be a rollicking good time to watch your character fuck up and not do stuff. But if the rest of the party of you know. Four or five other players are looking at you like, dude. I am so sick of dragging your your moronical halfling, uh quote unquote monk, everywhere because he can't do anything. He's so ineffective. Yeah, but he's here for the laughs. <laughs> at some point, so I was gonna shiv him while he's sleeping. You know.
0: Yeah, I drive Doc crazy every once in a while because I'll choose a feat in the game that does absolutely nothing for optimizing my character in the right direction.
1: But that's the type of play he's... The game he's building and whatever else is doing, he wants that style of play. That's well, what I'm saying. If, if, we, is, yeah. if we sat down and I said, look, you know, roll 3D6 down the line. Like I did with my home group, we were when we first did that, Zabe said, God, this character sucks. <clears throat> 3D6 down the line, this fucking alpha is like, no stats, this blows. I'm like, dude, it's an OSR game. This is how you play it. Remember that? He goes, oh yeah, okay, I'll try it. I'll try it, I'll try it. He had a hell of a good time. He got into it. And despite the fact they had, like, two minuses for his attribute bonus, it didn't matter because the adventure itself was built around the fact that every one of them had flawed components of it, and I made it so that the adventure and the and <clears throat> the different things they are poking into and some of the combats they were in, it wasn't go fight the Ogre King of Dragon Bone Mountain. It was, you know, figure out what's going on in town. So the adventure was set up so that even if they had... Flawed characters with obvious limitations. It was okay; they could still get plenty of cool shit done and still interact effectively in the game world, and not feel like, well, once again, my really crappy wisdom and my really shitty wisdom save caused me to be the only one in the whole group that doesn't get to partake in the fight because I got I got knocked out again or whatever. You with me? I'm with you. All right.
0: You should you should create a home rule. About unplayable characters and what that looks like.
1: I wonder, I should have that discussion with my home group one time and say, what do you guys think is an unplayable character? I'd probably get a beer kickback and let him talk for a couple hours. Because like really, a,
0: It's like a bad euchre hand, right? No ace, no face, no
1: I don't play. I don't play euchre, dude.
0: Sheep's head. I don't even know how. You don't know how to play sheep's head?
1: No, someone tried to teach me once card games bore the shit out of me, so don't bother. I don't, I don't know how to play Pinochle either.
0: Well, Pinochle, I don't think, is necessarily Midwest.
1: No, my parents played Pinochle a lot. Sheepshead is... They played a lot of that, too. Man. Anyhow, point is... I don't even know this guy. <laughs> I think an unplayable he character... He disappoints we talk, me like,
0: like, more and more the more I know him. <laughs> <every>, Two <202 laughs>
1: episodes later, I'm Jesus, so sick of man. his
0: shit. Still finding out crappy stuff about Brett. The crappy God, stuff. He's re- like everything. You know, that's the thing. I meet Brett, he's a gamer, he game masters. He's got to be a good
1: guy. It's got to be good. We share
0: some commonalities, he's local. And then as time goes on, I learn more and more about him, and I'm like, I don't know if I like this guy anymore.
1: Come on, man. We've been All together right. for years now. Come that's on. Tr- that's true. That's we've, true. Been, we've been through some stuff. We can do this. Come on.
0: Well, you know. Bring Brett, it in,
1: bring it in, hug time. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. It,
0: bring it in. Maybe you don't have those abilities I've been wanting your character to have.
1: Ooh, yeah. You're, you're like, look, dude. We've been <laughs> I've entered us in a sheep said tournament. You jackass, <laughs> and you're telling me now you don't know how to play. You have really? a min- really, really. You,
0: you have a minus two in sheep said. Oh, Jesus Christ! What the hell. Now you're telling me. Well, this is awesome. That's great. Great, wonderful. This is gonna go super well.
1: The other thing, I, I so I think I think kind of maybe at the core of all this, one of the things that when Kojo says you know hopeless or not fun to play, I think not only on a player by player basis, what what is a hopeless character to you is different than it may be to me, and that conversation could easily flip, or we could be on the same side of that coin depending on the game system, as Sean says. So when Kojo is talking about like DCC, I think if you're playing DCC. For God's sakes, get in the the spirit of that game, people. This is part of what the game is about. But if you're playing Pathfinder and someone goes, no, I I don't mind this character because of this, that, or the other thing. Again, it's that kind of session zero component. I have had people, when I've run very tactical D&D style games, who have said, we were told we're going into this thing. It is a complete and utter dungeon crawl. And what you're telling me is you're going to play a druid who's claustrophobic. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. Oh, good idea. I'll remake my character. It sounded like a really cute flaw, but when the one of the other players goes, you realize you took claustrophobia as a flaw, and Brett told us it's going to be a dungeon crawl, like a massive undermountain, we will not see the light of day for, for weeks on end, and you took claustrophobia. Well, I thought it'd be fun. That's not going to be fun. We will murder your character after day four. Please do something different. I had my players have that discussion. And the, the player who wanted to be claustrophobic, oh, yeah, it's a bad idea. Maybe I could, like, not like it very much or something. I'll, I'll tone it down. I'll tone it down. So then they became so, oh, God, I hate being underground. Uh, occasional role-playing whining because the character didn't like it. That was something everybody kind of enjoyed because it was, oh, that character <clears throat> being that character as opposed to absolute panic. You know, <laughs> I need a doctor level of claustrophobia that they originally thought would be fun, which would have been a terrible idea. So anyway, what is hopeless to one player is not always hopeless to the other. And I think it does indeed vary by system. So uh, in a classic Sean move, I think it does depend. And I think it's definitely worth between the players and game master. If you don't have, any, what you just said to me, Sean, is ringing a bell. I mean, I've been with these guys i game with for like 20 plus years. So I think we don't have a standing rule as to what a hopeless character is because we kind of police that. We just know what, what doesn't work. But if I'm going to run a game again, like if I take the Midderland stuff, which we got from Glen Seal and said, hey, I want to run a game, it would probably be worth it to say, look, I'm going to use Swords and Wizardry. Um, If you think you have a character that doesn't have X, we can consider that hopeless and we'll remake the character. I think that might be a a potential Session Zero thing for certain game systems as it pertains to the storyline, the adventure series, whatever you want to call the campaign that you plan to run. I I think it might bear discussion. Just so everybody understands it. So that way, if I decide I'm going to go forward with my tone deaf bard with no constitution, who does it, who has a three and three in dexterity, and but he has a but he but he's got a, he's got a twenty charisma though. Yeah, he's useless <laughs> and everything else.
0: That's what my character is in Starfinder. Are you serious? Yeah, my he's every, a tone deaf
1: bard. No, no,
0: no. <laughs> no, I'm playing an envoy. Um, was it an envoy? Crap. I don't remember. He's like the space bard. And I think I have an eighteenth eighteen charisma, and then all the rest of my stats suck. That's awesome. I think they're all like nine or ten. Maybe an eleven or twelve in there for Those some reason. Those are zeros though. Right. I have a I have one that's a negative, And then the rest are zeros, I think. And then I have an eighteen charisma.
1: Yeah, I play, you're I average, play but like, you're just, just I, play,
0: gotta... I play like a YouTube. Actor, oh
1: god, yeah,
0: Dirk Atmo, man, Dirk Atmo, Dirk hey. Atmo, Dirk Atmo, hey, Dirk Atmo, you've probably heard of me. I'm Dirk yeah. Atmo,
1: I like half a billion downloads, man. How do you I, not know me?
0: I'm on the hollow net, man, dude. Obviously, Dirk Atmo, Dirk Atmo, you've, Love it. you've heard of me, right?
1: All right, <clears throat> so we probably did Kojo a horrible disservice and uh, mangled what he wanted us to talk about here. Well, yeah. Is that what we do?
0: Expectations.
1: Expectations. Right?
0: This would be kind of session zero.
1: Kind of session zero. And, <laughs> and now Kojo feels bad. Anyway, though, for uh, anybody listening, if you do, if you've had experience working with the hopeless character or different ways to roll stats, I know that we could get into the religious war of, hey, you should roll 3d6 versus this versus that. But I'm curious kind of on the whole concept of hopeless characters. Do, does your group, as Sean asked me, does your group have a hopeless character? Like, how's we're like, look, that's, <clears throat> no, fuck it. Throw that out, start over, make a new one, because that poor girl, that's not a good character. Now this one, she's awesome. You could have fun with this one. Is it a style thing that your group has, or is, um h- how do you guys handle it? Because I think that's um that's another interesting thing to even bring up with a new player. Like, hey, this is kind of how the group plays and what we like to do, and we consider this to be a hopeless character. Why? I, I wonder how much that would tell about a game group's play style. If you were, if you describe the hopeless character, like, "Hey, this is hopeless for how we play," and I'm to be if that mattered,
0: and to be clear, we're talking about hopeless character,
1: not, not ho- players, not, not hopeless players, because. Hopeless Players is a totally different podcast So no, We can't get into that. <laughs> All Sorry. right. Let's go to die roll. All right. Die roll. All right. Brett, goose egg. Goose egg. I got nothing. That's okay. Shane Freeman got, got me up in listener area, so we'll be good.
0: I got a couple this week I wanted to share with you. The first one is... Car Wars, step aside for Gaslands. I saw this. Yeah. It's by Osprey Games. So if you're not familiar with Osprey Games, they are the makers of Bolt Action.
1: Okay, that's where I knew them from. Okay.
0: Amongst other games. But um, Rob Whelan had put that out on Geek and Sundry talking about, Gaslands. So thinks Car Wars, you just use your Matchbox cars, Matchbox and Hot Wheel cars. That's the scale. It can be very uh, similar. I want to say that there's some kind of mechanics that are similar to Star Wars miniatures, X-Wing game. So I don't know if there's templates, but um, I have reread the Car Wars rules.
1: I don't think it aged very well for me. <laughs> no, I did that a while back. I had a copy of it and I reread it and went, I don't want to play this. I'm gonna... Now I know I know that's sacrilege. Somebody out there's like, oh you fucking bastard, it's the best minis game ever. That's fine. If you grocket, it, it's cool. But I read it and I'm like, nah, not how I want to play it. This thing though, this seems yeah. interesting. Yeah. Guess
0: I haven't, haven't read over the rules yet, but Check that out if you are a car. I know they're rewriting Car Wars. Yes, mm-hmm. we know that. Yep. Steve, Uncle Steve's going to be at Gamehole Con running Star Wars or Car Wars. I don't know if he's going to run the old rules or what they're working on. That'll be interesting. But I, I don't know. His, his event may be completely gone. Like It may be booked, all the VIGB. I don't know. I don't know how many I, people w- he's considering.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I would not be surprised if that one sells out fast because there are some Car Wars fanatics out there. So. It's true. I, I love car I, wars. I played that shit out of that in high school, man. A lot of car wars. We would actually spend hours designing cars <laughs> and Yeah, then, and it'd be like super late. Like, ah, I don't feel like playing now because we spent hours designing cars. So it was hilarious. Anyway, cool. Uh, the second one I want to point out manifest
0: zone. So if you haven't listened to these guys, um, I think we brought them up a while ago. They're on episode 13. They're the Eberron podcast, um, with our buddy, Christian sexy voice, Serrano, Keith Baker, uh, Wayne Chang and
1: Palladian, another fan favorite of the show. Yeah, Palladian. Right, good people.
0: Yep, and Scott um, is all. They're all over there. Um, they are covering Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. So if you have been living under a rock, that's okay. Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron was recently announced, which is the Eberron guide for Five E that Keith wrote up and has been writing up for the last month or two um, with Rudy Wootenburg. Rutenberg, and I think Kim and Rudy have been pretty instrumental in the release of that. So if you're an Eberron fan, that's something you want to grab on the DMs Guild, which will allow Eberron content to be created, which has already occurred. So you can go out there and buy Eberron stuff for 5e that people are putting up there. But they go over um, some of the details that Keith wrote in the Wayfinders Guide to Eberron.
1: So the PDF right now is at 20 bucks. on uh, DM's Guild.
0: I bought my copy. I'm, I'm an Eberron fan. Yeah, I'm an Eberron fan. The only thing that I'm disappointed in was that there isn't any classes in it. Hmm. So it's not a huge deal because there's only a really... Uh, maybe besides the Artificer, I'm trying to think of any other classes that should have been in there. And I know they released that as a... um. Unearthed, or, uh, Arcana, or Unearthed Arcana article. Okay. But anyways, but if you're, yeah, if you are an Eberron fan and you're wondering if you should, buy the Wayfinder's Guide, do it. Because I think by doing that, you'll also send a message to Wizards that says, hey, I want to see more Eberron stuff. And hopefully they'll come out with a full campaign setting down the
1: road. We'll see. Yeah. Speaking of other books, there's Encounters in Sharn is out there on well, the DMs Guild. I'm just kind of poking around a little bit. There's There's some nice stuff. So very cool. That's really good to see.
0: Yeah, so check that out.
1: And then we had Shane Freeman has an article by Brett Tingley. Uh, Egypt will open the giant black mystery sarcophagus despite warnings. I had this post up a while back, and it is – I love the fact that this uh, giant black mystery sarcophagus that they found, um, like, oh, that's kind of neat. I had it up in Dyril a while back, but it keeps coming back. (laughs) Just, I, think, I think Kev Thulu put it up there again. I know, Kevin. It just it keeps coming back, though. Everybody is, there's like, they're really going to do it. I swear to God, they're going to do it. So I'm kind of hoping for some horrible earth-shaking event to happen, just to uh, spice things up or something. I don't know. But I love it. It was, good. it was a good article, too. Thank you, Shane.
0: Yeah, thanks, Shane. All right. What are we talking about next week, Brett, you know?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about it. With the Eberron thing coming out and the number of different campaign settings and things that um, you and I have liked and loved over the years. I was thinking about doing a little kind of campaign setting, what I like. What do I like in a campaign setting? Do I like a a do-it-yourself kind of approach to a campaign setting? Do I like uber heavy duty? And then perhaps even talk about campaign settings we've known and loved and what ones we've looked back on when that didn't age really well. (laughs) So I think we're going to talk about campaign settings. I think that's what we're going to do. Ooh. All right. Well, that's
0: awesome, Brett. Um, I am going to put this out there too. Now I put a poll out to our current patrons, um, if you haven't seen it. Uh, I want to talk to Brett. We're going to have a board meeting here in the near future, uh, get together uh, with the members of the board, discuss what we want to do. Kind of a strategy for the upcoming year. That's a good idea. Um, and one of the things that I had brought up was, do we go from a per episode? So the way are, for those of you that are not giving, um, via our Patreon, currently we are charging per episode. And my mentality behind doing it per episode is because to me, it would felt like it would justify you chipping in a dollar or whatever that amount is. And the minimum is a dollar per episode. And if there's four or five, that's what your budget would be for the month. And if we didn't release an episode, you wouldn't get charged, right? Where some people would still charge you whether you got anything or not. And that was one thing I didn't want to have happen. But since we've been kind of steady Eddie's um, pretty consistently, except for one week uh, last year, almost this time. You're muted,
1: Brett. Um, I was still... I was gonna say it was that time you almost died. I think right. I think we get a pass for that week. Well excuses. Yeah.
0: I always say. Yeah, excuses, excuses. Right. Um so I've been reconsidering doing our Patreon uh by like whatever you want per month, like on a per month basis. So the advantage is that you could give a dollar per month and it would be like, you know, three cents a day. Hmm. 3.33 three point, point three three mm-hmm. cents a day, whatever. Um, so that would help or not, but then also look at our, our goals and look at what we want to offer and kind of solidify those a little bit more. Brett and I have considered potentially running a game at certain levels for certain people. Um, we've also had some other people that aren't part of the podcast actually offer to run games as part of our patron as well. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? One thing I've recently thought, because if you haven't garnered uh, my approach to game mastering by now, I'll just divulge it right here. I like to take modules and I like to run modules and pre-published adventures. So Brett and I were like, well, we could do that. So what are we going to do? Like, do you want to do, you know, homebrew or whatever? I'm thinking to myself and I roll AD&D up. And start going through all the classic modules, and you know if you've got a character that is fifth level, and we're going to run a third to uh, seventh level or five through seven level adventure, bring her on board. Bring that character with you, and you're going to go through the adventure, whatever that is, that lizard tomb, of a lizard king, or whatever. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so that way you could, you know, some of you may not have ever gone through Pharaoh or Oasis of the White Palm or Keep on the Borderlands. I mean, like taking it old school, writing it right out of the module, and some of those are not that great, (laughs) not
1: that great. Like, I can't believe we played those. No, you look back on it now, and this is another potential topic, too, is the, I mean, granted, tastes have changed over the years, but the... Level of sophistication, the level of what people are expecting out of an adventure now, a published anything, is so far and above. And I think that's one of the reasons why I want to talk about campaigns next week is what we used to expect or tolerate or put up with or we would accept. You know, we'd say expect or excuse me, accept. Saying yeah, I'll accept that. That that's that's good enough for me to get going. Is way different now. I think than it was back in the day. So it's kind of uh, I think that's interesting.
0: Yeah. Anywho. Yeah, so that's uh, things that are bouncing around at Gaming and BS. All right, man. Stay, stay tuned till we uh, complete that board meeting and release the notes to our... St- stockholders. Investors, yeah. Be on the call. The <laughs>
1: the investors call. The, investors the quarter, call.
0: quarterly investors call. Yeah. All right. Well, we better get going.
1: I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all.
0: This This has has been a Litterbox Studio Production. production.